Welcome to Short Talks from the Hill, a podcast of the University of Arkansas. My name is Matt McGowan. Today I'm talking to John Brooks, criminology instructor in the J. William Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. For the past several months, John worked as a consultant for True Detective, the HBO crime series. The third season of the series was filmed in Northwest Arkansas. How did the show's producers find out about you? What, tell me what they were looking for. So my uh, next door neighbor um, is in, in movies. She does set design. Somebody called her and said, hey, we need a person locally that knows the police, knows procedures, knows, you know, basically everything police-wise, you know, what we're going to need. And she said, well, you know, I, I don't have any experience in that. And they said, well, do you know somebody that does? And she said, well, matter of fact, I do. And I was super excited. I was like, wow, you know, thank you for giving me the recommendation. And then I heard nothing for months. I didn't hear anything. And I asked her about it a couple of times and she said, you know, I don't really know. It's just kind of the way it works. She said, they'll call you. They may call you the day before, <laughs> you know, and want you there. And so January of last year, I was driving down the road and I got a call from Riverside, California, and I don't know anybody in Riverside, California. So I answered the phone and this gentleman said, hi, my name's Derek and I'm a true detective and uh, we'd like for you to come in and talk to us. And almost, I told my students while I was like, I almost wrecked my car. I was like, um, and so I was, you know, I said, well, I can come in. It was a Wednesday. I said, I can come in tomorrow, but I need to do it before 12 or after two because I teach class at the university. And they're like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Just come in Friday. So when I went in Friday, I had my resume, I had my CV, I had my uh, business, you know, my new business and everything. And I, I really kind of thought I was going in for a job interview. And when I got there, they... Derek, and, and I'm not, I still can't say his last name very well, DiBaggio, he said, hey, this is our police tech advisor. Just kind of like that. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. So it wasn't a job interview. It was your first day on the it job. It was my first day on, day on the job. And <laughs> Tell so, me what you did. What they have you do? Um, so, they, so they would ask questions procedurally, like, um, like in one scene, there's the ransom note. And with the ransom note, you know, um, would they wear gloves? Would they not wear gloves? You know, and, and FBI in 1980 would have been wearing gloves, but, you know, sometimes it's... Um, it's More dramatic. More dramatic to, you know, use a pen and a handkerchief rather than somebody putting on silly, silly gloves. Um, so, you know, things like that. And I was told very early on, you know, if you tell them something and they don't take your advice, don't get your feelings hurt because that's just not the way this works. It's It's... But later on, there was some there was some things that happened, and it's kind of hard. I don't want to spoil anything, but there were some things that happened that that I was able to get involved in and say, "Hey, this is what would happen if you were if you were going to this. This is what would happen. You wouldn't just walk in this room." You so would, maybe it's a matter of credibility or believability, I guess. Yeah, you know, you wouldn't just if you found an open door, you wouldn't just walk in that door. You would be prepared to draw your weapon defend yourself because if the door's not supposed to be open, maybe there's something in there that's, you know, your enemy, for lack of a better word. So, so things like that. And then I would get calls, um, you know, uh, about like, uh, you know, do you, 
if you're off duty, in other words, if you're not on duty, would you wear your badge? And the answer is typically no, you wouldn't do that because if you're wearing your badge, you'd want to wear your gun because if somebody sees your badge, they're going to know you're a police officer. They don't like the police, then you've put yourself in a situation where you don't have your gun. So typically you would not wear your clip on badge when you're off duty. However, you would have a badge in your back pocket in your wallet ID so that if you needed to get somebody's attention and say, hey, I'm state police, here's my badge, you know, I want you to do this or whatever. It's interesting because um, we talked about it before. I thought, well, this would be kind of a slam dunk thing. It would be easy. But then I didn't, I wasn't thinking that this was how they did crime scene investigation, as you mentioned, in 1980. So we're talking about almost 40 years ago. Right. It's a very different world. Very different world. Very different world. And I think you mentioned that you had called a, a buddy um, at the Arkansas State Police or mm -hmm. and uh, had some questions. Somebody had a, lot, a veteran and had a lot of time and right. some further consultation. Another person I leaned on was a reti he retired before I did, and he was one of my he was one of my two great mentor mentors at the police department. And he had been at the police department long enough to go through the revolver stage and then the transition to the semi-automatic weapons. And so there was, you know, some questions about that because in this drama, they go these three different time periods and the guns change over the course of time. And so revolvers were shot and handled in a different way than semi-automatics sure. were. I mean, some of it is the same, but some of it's not. So um, I had to talk to him a, a little bit about that. So when viewers watch the program, how realistic generally are the depictions of, of crime scene investigations so far? Well, I mean, I've seen this two episodes and I was able to read some of the scripts, but it's kind of difficult when you're reading the scripts and then trying to see how it's going to play out um, on the screen. But I would say that, um, you know, it's, some of it is very real and some of it is, is, is not. It's I mean, some of it is Hollywood. Some of it is, you know, the dramatic effects of it. You know, you got to remember 1980, there was no, there was no fingerprint database. Um, there was no DNA. Um, there was hair evidence and hair evidence was, you know, that, that was probably the, the biggest kind of forensic evidence that they had. They had, they had blood typing, which was, you know, both those in the hair kind of, that's what kind of happened to DNA. But I mean, in 1980, you know, you could do manual comparison of fingerprints. People were doing that. Um, there were people doing ballistic, you know, comparing bullets and things like that. But I mean, as far as being able to take a fingerprint, put it in a database and search it, in 1980, that it, that it wasn't even, they talked about it, but it wasn't a real thing. Tell us a little bit about the measures that they took, the production team took to make sure that you and the rest of the crew didn't talk about the, the script and the story and give it, give it away. Yeah, so, so the very first day that I went down to, to, to be hired as the police tech advisor, I had to sign a um, confidentiality agreement, non-disclosure agreement, and um, it was emailed to me and when it was emailed to me, it had my name watermarked on the disclosure agreement. So anything that you got print-wise, whether it was a call sheet, um, a script, anything, your name was embedded in that. And there was, I mean, there was just no way around it. It was, it was there because they didn't want people leaking things. And so I didn't, 
you know, I mean, not even to your family, you know, it, it was, you don't talk about this because we don't want people spoiling it. We don't want people, you know, knowing what's going to happen. And so it was, uh, that, that was very interesting. So I would get a call sheet. Uh, so if I'm going to get called the next day, I'm going to get a call sheet and it's going to tell me on there, you know, what time to report. Um, it's going to tell everybody. It's going to have everybody on there. You know, some people are going to report two hours before you, and it'll have your, uh, you know, your call time. And so then you would go, they'd give you a map, and you would um, you go to what they would call base camp, and there'd be parking areas. So, like, some of it was at Walker Park. You were never allowed to take your car to set, ever. You couldn't do it. I mean, it was not loud. So no shuttling or what? Yeah, shuttling. You would go this and park and then these big, but they're not buses. They're like um, big vans, like big minivans. They come by and pick you up and they take you to where you need to go. And then when it was over, they take you back to your car. So. Didn't you say that there was something that disappeared? Was it with those call sheets or something you would look at it for a while? Yeah, yeah. So the, so after a period of time, they, they, they go away. You yeah. just, they, they dissolve, they dissolve for <laughs> lack of a better word. So you don't, you don't get to keep those. Right. And, and then on the last, uh, two episodes, only a very small handful of people got those scripts and I was not one of those okay. people. So Top I don't secret. know what happens. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that, and that's fine. I, I'm kind of glad I don't know what happens. So you've seen it twice now. What is your impression? I think it's going to be really good. Um, I, I, I don't have a clue what the end result's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be very good. I think we're. I think you're going to see a lot of Arkansas and a lot of stuff around here that, um, you know, I want to go back and watch it again just to be able to pick things out because I think there's stuff that you're missing, you know, because it's just not registering that that's where that is. All right, John, that's all I've got. All right, Thanks man. a lot for doing it. I really yeah, appreciate your you time bet. and everything. You bet. I hope it was uh, what you... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yep. Music for Short Talks from the Hill was written and performed by Ben Harris, guitar instructor at the University of Arkansas. For more information and additional podcasts, go to KUAF.com or researchfrontiers.uart.edu, the home of research news at the University of Arkansas.